Welcome to Mandarin Blueprints, first ever podcast. Uh, today's podcast is essentially going to go into a why we're doing a podcast and answer a bunch of our questions. But just first off, it's our launch week of the Mandarin Blueprint method, and we're really quite excited about that. Very excited. It's been, well, I mean, not just been making the course for about six to eight months. Actually, make it. yeah. When it comes to like shooting video and putting it up on the platform and stuff, yeah, it's been about six to eight months. But yeah, you could but say actually, it's been three years, long. three three and a half years, really. Yeah, it's been a very long time. Um, this was originally we were teaching it live to people in Chengdu just mm. to sort of tweak it, and we were doing that for several years. And now we've finally got it to a point where we can share it with everyone. Which is fantastic. Yeah, and the feedback has been so great. We, we're, it's you know our expectations were exceeded a lot for uh, our first week, and so we figure since there's been so many comments, so many questions that have come in, and you know we're still a small startup, and it's a lot of the work is you and me. So mm. we have we have a few uh, helpers, but it's like in these days with Upwork and various uh, online services, most of your helpers are kind of one-off contractors. So it's you know mostly you and I. So as a result of that, taking on all the comments and responding to all of them with all the other work we have to do can be a little bit much. So we figured the best way to deal with it is to have podcasts where we answer your questions, respond to your comments, and then you know sort of build up a database of answers to all these questions. And we thought that first of all, we'd start off with an email we received from the person who is the farthest along in the curriculum so far, a guy by the name of uh, Luke Taylor. He's got a great first name, I would say. Yeah, very good indeed. Um, 40% of the content he's already consumed. Is, That's uh, insane. And it's a huge course. This is 1,900 lessons, um, over 300 videos. Yeah, and it's exactly for people people like him who are actually getting so much success out of it. And you know, he's going to speak Chinese fluently. I'm incredibly confident if he's gotten that far. Because you know, you reach a point where it's like a snowball rolling down the hill. You'll you've built up enough momentum that you're definitely going to continue because it builds on itself. Mm. And so it's people like him that motivate you know, me personally, and I'm sure you as well, to keep doing this and keep spending all of our time improving the course and building out the course. So Yeah, we've got to stay ahead of this guy. This guy's just smashing through it. Yeah. Also, to anyone listening that's a bit sort of thinking, well, I can't ever do anything that fast. You know, This guy's full-time student. So um, he's doing incredibly well, but bear in mind he's got, he's got maybe a bit more time than the average person to, mm. to get through it. So don't feel bad or, if, you're, if you're also on our course and you haven't quite made it that far, not to worry. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. We say it's about the hours, not the days. And our estimation is that it takes about 245 hours to finish the course. And so if you were doing it full time or maybe even extra full time, doing a little overtime, you could mm. get it done fairly quickly. Well, but, yeah, we should mention know. as well. I mean, that 245 hours, that was a very conservative estimate. And that also includes sort of a very, again, a very conservative estimate of the review time to actually not, because it's not just about clicking the videos and pressing play, mm -hmm. it's also about creating flashcards, reviewing flashcards, yeah. which uh, is you know half the time. Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's uh, read Luke's email here because uh, it's very interesting to see the situation that he's in. So Luke says, I must admit, I also didn't expect to fly through it so quickly because we had mentioned that he's going really fast. Being a student with too much free time does have its benefits. The course itself has been incredible. I've always had a very good memory, but the thought of learning each character through rote memorization before finding your course was daunting to say the least. And just to comment on that, 
Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, rote memorization is, for those of you who don't know, it's repeatedly writing out characters until it's burned in your brain. And me and Phil both started out doing this, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's it's probably the most common way of teaching characters. Oh, yeah, that's the there. standard operating procedure mm-hmm. of most uh, Chinese teachers. Creates and, so many problems. And it's just, yeah, that is way more daunting. Like, people go like, wait, so there's going to be a mnemonic scene for every character? Isn't that a lot? And we're like, no, no, <laughs> that's way easier than rote memorization. <laughs> Trust yeah. me. Um, okay, way more so, fun. Uh, continuing here. Now I'm finding I must stop myself from learning too many characters in one day or I wouldn't get anything else done. <laughs> That's cool. That's, that shows the addictive nature of the course. I live with a group of Chinese friends here in the UK, and they're astonished at how I'm able to learn how to read and write a new character in a matter of minutes. I've now found I'm able to make some sense of what's being said when they speak Mandarin, though their native talking speed still makes this challenging. The pronunciation course is helping significantly in this regard, however. I'm looking forward to moving through the rest of the course and very excited to start putting what I've learned into practice. A huge thank you to Phil and Luke for putting the course together, and I can already see it's two steps ahead of anything else out there. Well, that's a high praise, Luke, and uh, just keep it up, man. You're, you're well on your way. Mm-hmm. Very happy with that. Uh, it's, it's really motivating for us to, to see that. So, Especially, you really know, when, when I'm reading that, like when I, as a person who's, you know, contributed, both of us have contributed so much to this project, when I see something like, though their native talking speed still makes this challenging, but the pronunciation course is helping significantly in this regard, I'm like, oh, good, right? Like that's exactly mm-hmm. what we wanted, you know, because the Mandarin Blueprint Method is separate from the pronunciation course. And the pronunciation course is our first thing that we made. And the fact that he responds with, oh, and that's helping me with understanding the Mandarin speaking mm-hmm. around me. I'm like, well, yeah, that's exactly the theory, right? Yeah. And yeah. I tell you what, learning those characters the way he is, and of course, the, the course that he's learning, for those of you who, who aren't on the course, it's not just characters. It's integrated with vocabulary, the most common thousand words and 600 characters and all kinds of, uh, I don't even know how many sentences and dialogues and, and all this stuff to it's all integrated together so it's characters vocabulary and grammar Mm. and if he keeps working his way through the course at this pace he's going to be done with the whole thing and that's going to make listening much easier Mm, because when you have a foundation of vocabulary he's already starting to notice it Um, it really improves your listening as well as your reading and just by the way today is uh january january 12th is that right Mm. yeah and he started on well, he was a part of the beta group, so he got a little bit of a head start, but we released the course on January 2nd, and he's already 39% complete, so he's, I mean, it's amazing. So yeah. let's go into uh, the various questions we got in the comments and in the emails this week. Just as a, a, to mention, we give priority to comments that are asked on the course itself. Now, you can do a free trial of the course, so you can check it out. Uh, we'll have the link in the description, but... Those get the priority, but you can also email us at support at mandarinblueprint.com. Okay, so first question. Gil asks, is T used for both air and gas? Now, he's referring to the character T, which is uh, used in very a lot of different words. So mm. how would you answer this question? Well, I actually did. Um, I just gave him an example of two words. Um, I believe what the first one was Ticho. Ticho, which is balloon. So it's literally air ball. Yeah. Right? <laughs> And uh, the other one was, what was the other one? Um, oh, zhiran qi. Or qi yeah, 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 both yeah. of them. So natural gas or petroleum. Um, so yes, this is used for both air and gas. And of course, zheng uh, qi, you know, to evaporate. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, um, Steam rather, you know. So yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's all yeah. I mean, characters are very often often very broad like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what's great about it is that it makes you it forces you to think in a different way than you normally would because we tend to like a lot of people will make comments on our videos and for example we'll have a picture that says ming tian and we'll say bright day and people go no no tian means sky like and they kind of have that attitude of like oh these guys don't even know what they're talking about they think that <laughs> tian means day what idiots but it's like it means both yeah, because that's can, part can, of you know yeah. it's a it's a broader conceptualization than you might think very contextual chinese is very contextual both at the vocabulary level and also the character level mm-hmm Okay, cool. So I love characters. All right, next, we're going to have a comment from Ryan Smith, and he's leaving this comment in a casting call lesson. Now, what is a casting call lesson for those of you who don't know? Well, every scene, because we have a scene for each individual character, requires an actor. The actor represents the initial sound in the pronunciation. And when we have a U sound, the U sound, Anywhere in the pronunciation, it's going to be a fictional character. And he did something which we love and we want to encourage as much as possible, which is he gave another suggestion that we did not mention. So Mm. he said, a fictional option for an actor that I ended up going with wasn't on the list, Rufio from the movie Hook, 1991. And as soon as I saw that, uh, that immediately brings up memories from my childhood because that is absolutely one of my key childhood films that and we were just talking about it when you came in you know both of us actually turns out loved that film as kids i remember i watched it every day of the week with my sister one time i was just giving you endless quotes before we started this right exactly but just the scenes with rufio are so memorable and like Mm. you know it's a good thing to think about you know that if you've seen the movie, you know, there's moment there's a moment at the end where he has a confrontation with Captain Hook that is incredibly emotional. And, you know, of course, in the beginning, he's got this attitude, which is something that Ryan says here. Um, yeah. And so you can easily apply that in your mind. So for, for those of you who are like, what the heck are these guys talking about right now? Um, we actually so the system itself it involves using actors interacting with objects that represent the character components and the way they interact with the character components represents the meaning of the character itself. And there's a lot more to it than that, but that's the basic gist. Mm, and mm. so if you you have to choose these actors, there's 55 in total split into four different groups. One of these groups is fictional. And we always suggest, don't we, that it's better that you it's better to pick someone with the most, most how would you say, like you have the most in, emotional investment in. Mm-hmm. Like So whether that's, uh, Rufio from Hook, or whether yeah. that's you know Robert Downey Jr. the actor, or you know whoever it is, or whether it's your friend Ron, you know mm-hmm. it's it's best that you have some sort of memories of them, or you have some sort of emotional attachment to them. Yeah, and it absolutely can be somebody. Your your biggest emotional attachment absolutely sometimes will be a fictional character mm-hmm. because the whole point of a story becoming ubiquitous like there's reasons that lord of the rings and harry potter they became such mm-hmm. ubiquitous stories is because the characters are so memorable why, so, we, why is that important well it means that the memories that you make with them are much more memorable and therefore the characters are too yeah yeah it's really uh, it's really quite uh, fascinating because you learn a lot about yourself when you do this all right so next question is about the pronunciation mastery course Abigail, who asked a lot of questions recently, and they're always very polite, and uh, mm. uh, she's she's been asking good questions. So her question is, why does chu, which is normally a fourth tone, change to a fifth tone in chu chu? 
I'm not aware it fits any one of the tone change rules. No, it doesn't because the tone change rules, there's only a fixed amount of them. There's very few of them. They literally, by definition, it means this tone pair or this tone is pronounced differently in speech than it is on paper. So when you see pinyin written down, you have the tone marks and what, what have you, it's spoken in a different way under certain circumstances. Mm. That's by definition a tone change rule. But two changing to a fifth tone instead of a fourth tone in chu is not a tone change necessarily. It's because it's actually written that way on paper as a fifth tone. That's right. just the way the tone, it's just the way it is pronounced, just yeah. the way it is. Yeah, that yeah. is the word. Right, yeah. and I mean, I get why she asked the question, because if you look up just the character two in the dictionary, it it'll be a fourth tone. tone. But what happens a lot with fifth tone, and this is a bit of speculation, although I think that probably the reason that fifth tone developed like this, where it's the, the second character in a two character word is fifth tone, is because it's words that are said all the time. And so when people are speaking, fifth tone is really quick to say yeah. compared to any of the other tones. Any of the other tones take longer to say than uh, fifth tone, so they probably developed because people were speaking quickly yeah. and just over a I long think I'm thinking of a like mm -hmm. to get to know someone or to know someone. It's actually that's that should be like sort of should be yeah, yeah. the second tone, but it's actually spoken and it's written that way as well in pinyin. Right. Right, right. It's just the way it is because it's, it's, it's very common. And it's much easier to say that way, I guess. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, there's not like a rule you can follow to know when this happens or doesn't. But as we say, when it's in the dictionary or it's in uh, our materials, it will be written the correct mm -hmm. way. All right. Now, next, this is a scene that Ryan Smith submitted. And so this is a full mnemonic scene to learn a character. And this is very early in the course. So if you try the free trial, uh, you'll get to it very quickly, which is the scene that represents the Chinese character shi. And if you're just listening to the audio, shi is really easy to imagine. It's just like a plus sign. It's a it's number 10. Yeah. It's the number 10 is what it means. And how it looks is just a horizontal line and a vertical line. Uh, and so this is Ryan's scene to help remember all the aspects of shi, because there are a few things to remember. You have to remember that it means 10. Mm -hmm. You have to remember the components in it, one horizontal line, one vertical line. You have to remember that the pronunciation starts with sh, that it's second tone, and that it doesn't have a sort of vowel or rhyming sound in it. You know, other uh, pronunciations mm -hmm. that start with sh, like shan or shao, they have the an ao rhyming sound, but shi doesn't. So you have to remember all that stuff. Yeah. This is his scene to remember all those various elements. Well, first, let's point out that he has uh, chosen his actor in a, in a certain way, which sort of speaks back to what I was saying about how, why actors are so important and it's the, your emotional investment in them. So he chose his actor as Sean Connery, representing the SH. I know, again, it's not spelt that way, but sh has that sound. Mm. And he has a sh uh, childhood friend named Sean, but he can imagine Sean Connery, his voice and his his emotions, his, 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 sorry, his facial expressions much better. So therefore he chose Sean Connery. That's yeah. a great choice, right? Um, and that's how you should do it uh, when choosing your actors as well. Yeah. Um, the room and set he's in, the room and set is kitchen of his childhood home. So that's to represent the final and the tone. And the props he's using, the horizontal line and the cigar, the prop is basically the object that represents those components is a twig for his pet chinchillas. So it's very specific. Yeah, that's, that's any stick. vertical line there. That's yeah, the vertical yeah. line. And a cigar uh, for the horizontal line. He smokes cigars occasionally on special occasions. Mm. So that's great. Very personal selection there. The keyword connection, remember, this means number 10. So you have to 
your work is not done when you're just choosing the actor and choosing the set and choosing the props, the objects, the person, the place. You also need to think about, and this is maybe the most important part, you need to think about how you are going to represent the keyword meaning, the actual definition of the character. Mm. And this character is defined as number 10, so that's very abstract. But yeah. it's much easier than it sounds. Just choose something or someone that is very closely linked to that number. Mm, right. mm. So I suggest often, uh, if my clients are uh, British, I suggest choose uh, um, your your most loved or most hated prime minister because they always live at number 10. Oh, right, right. right? Yeah. Or Rooney, you know, Wayne Rooney or some other sports player with 10 on their back. Oh, you know, right. Maradona yeah, sure. is a very popular one as well. Mm. What... Uh, what uh, sorry, Sean. Uh, what Ryan went for was the Ten Commandment tablet, which yeah, I think yeah. is really good. And you can even imagine your actor Sean Connery with like a big beard and a robe, like Moses style. Like <laughs> yeah, doing yeah. Anyway, would, so here's the scene: Sean Connery is smoking a cigar. <clears throat> sorry, I'll say it again. <clears throat> so here's the scene: Sean Connery is smoking a cigar in my parents' kitchen, sitting at the kitchen table. The smoke is wafting through the kitchen sweeping over the aramaic sketchings of the ten commandments while the tip of the cigar is glowing red as he inhales smoking is something my parents would never allow in their house so i take one of the sticks for my chinchilla from uh, the mailbox they come in and smack the cigar to knock it out of his mouth so as you can see there's a lot of very detailed and personal flavors in this but you can see how that would be very memorable yeah and it's th that's one of these scenes it's like i can't there's always ways you can improve scenes or enhance them in some way and we do that by special effects which we'll mm. go into maybe in a bit but this is just it ticks all the boxes of a great scene right yeah so of course it's got the basics covered which is that every element of the character is there you've got the meaning you've got the two character components you've got the uh pinion initial sound and sh now one thing we didn't talk about is that this scene is taking place in his childhood home. You didn't mention that, right? So, like, uh, we have the childhood home, which is when you don't have a final sound. You don't have a vowel sound. So it's taking place there. That's covered. And, of course, you've got the uh, very, like, the scene itself, the actions that happen in the scene emphasize the Ten Commandment tablets. So mm. it's really perfect in that way. And... I can tell that Ryan's a natural at this because, and by the way, everybody will get to this point where they can easily come up with something like this. But the fact that Ryan did this in the first time tells me that he's relaxing into it. He's letting himself find yeah. his own personal connections to all these things. Because every single thing there, do you know anybody with a name that starts with SH? Yes, you do. Somewhere. It's an actor somewhere. It's a, and actually, that's a good point. Let me transition just because it's a perfect transition here to something that um, our, our, student Yarden, our client Yarden Isaac said, he's from Israel, and he said, for the Isra Israelis between us, names in Hebrew that start with SH, and he lists about 10 names that are common in Hebrew. And that's, by the way, anybody who's on the course, please do this if mm. English is not your native language. Luke and I, uh, well, Luke's learning Spanish now, but when we started making this course, we're bilingual, English and Chinese. So we don't have connections necessarily to other languages. And so if you want to say, oh, here are 10 Spanish names or 10 Italian names that start with SH and have that SH sound, please comment. It'll help other people. So mm -hmm. the point is he made that connection. And then the way that all of the props, actor, and set interacted 
created the meaning. Actually, I would say one thing, just to be a nitpick here. Mm. Right? I would say one thing. The One of the key things here is when you're representing your keyword connection or any element of your uh, scene, whether it's the actor or the set or the props, you should always make sure they're being interacted with. They're not a passive ornament mm. within the scene. And the Ten Commandment tablets, from how he's described it here, they seem very sort of benign. They're just sort of sitting there. They get the smoke go over them. If I could think of one way of improving this, actually, I would say someone, uh, whether it's Sean Connery or yourself, Ryan, someone picks up the Ten Commandments and, well, yeah, maybe this is it. Mm. You point at the Ten Commandment tablets and you say smoking is against one of the Ten yeah, Commandments. Yeah, that's what I thought of too. <laughs> and then maybe, you you know, you, yeah, then then you finish off the scene the way you did it. Yeah, um, yeah. Just to make it more obvious. You've got to do this as, like, as if you're doing it for the cheap seats in the, in the cinema. That's what I always say. Yeah, that's a good like, way. Sorry, not yeah. cinema, the theater. Um, yeah, but yeah. yeah, so that is one little thing. But that, again, that's just being picky. It's probably absolutely fine. Yeah, and the, so... That we'll move on to another one of Brian's scenes in a second, but let's switch to a, a question from Nassim Shawarba. I hope I'm, asked, I'm pronouncing your <laughs> last name correctly. He, he had a number of questions in the pronunciation course, and many of them I totally get like you know, why he was asking about them. So, Luke, does the throat move when you say O oh, in Chinese? As in like O. Oh. Uh, I would say no. The, the throat doesn't really move at all. It's more about the the rounded lips or just like you're saying awesome in my accent your British English accent which you know you may not be able to do very well but just go for that and you'll you'll be fine uh don't worry about the throat in that situation yeah yeah that's uh the I like how he's thinking you know he's asking those questions he's thinking about because you know one of the things with pronunciation is you have to be somewhat self-aware mm. of what's going on with your vocal cords your throat your uh, tongue in your mouth and how's your mouth shaped and so it's compared to learning a character which is very imaginative in our system pronunciation is the most like kind of going to the gym for your mouth so i appreciate these types of questions because they're showing me that he's trying to be conscious of his various mouth movements all right so let's go to another scene that ryan smith submitted and this was to learn the character gan which means uh dry that's one of its meanings it also has a pronunciation of gan, which means like to do work has a number of meanings actually, but this this particular scene is to learn dry. Now we have G-A-N, so that means the initial sound is G and the rhyming sound is A-N. And what we do in the course is every time you're using an initial sound for the first time ever, we'll say, okay, pick an actor, a person to represent this letter. And then if it's the first time ever that you're using a vowel sound, there's only 13 times, but a vowel sound like A-N will say, all right, now pick a location from your life to serve as the set. You're setting the scene. So that the set, uh, the cho choosing of the finals, the locations to represent a final, we call those set the scene lessons. There's 13 of them. And choosing a person to represent the initial sound we call casting call lessons. So we really hit the movie metaphor pretty hard. All right. So this is the first time he had to choose both of those. So he chose a six-year co-worker, Greg, to represent G. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Because you worked with somebody for six years, you definitely know what their mannerisms are. You probably see them when they're in a good and bad mood because they're at work. It's a good person to have there. And you always want to think about what's this person's personality actually like? Like if a car suddenly you know, broke through the wall of a house, what would their reaction be? You know, are, they, are they aggressive? Are they nice? Like, What's their personality like? Just bear it in mind. Now, 
The location, I love this. The grounds of the hospital where my infant was born and I played ambulance driver for my wife. And you'll notice that infant has an in it and so does ambulance, right? It's an example of those connecting, we call them um, set mnemonics, basically a way of connecting the somewhat random spelling of A-N yeah. to this random place that you have chosen. Yeah. Um, so a way to connect those two bits of information together, you just choose a word that reminds you of that place that has an A-N spelling or sound in it. Right. And what, one of the things I really like about this one is that normally we would say pick a place that you've been to more often, but I think this might be an exception because, of course, the grounds of the hospital where your infant was born and you played the ambulance driver for your wife, which I, I mean, I think we've all seen that in movies of like, you know, driving crazily to the hospital to get your wife there when she's um, about to give birth and go into labor. Uh, that is such an emotional moment that he'll probably, you know, he's never going to forget that. And so even though maybe he was only in that hospital for a couple of weeks or, you know, maybe been there only a few times, I think it's good enough because it's such a strong emotional memory. Mm -hmm. So we've yeah. got Greg and we have the uh, ambulance hospital infant born situation. Now, there are two props here. We have the cigar again. So if you can imagine, again, it's just that character, sure, that plus sign with an extra horizontal line right on top. So that's an extra cigar. So uh, the way that you imagine, sure, now that horizontal line, that vertical line, is you change that from being a cigar and a, and a twig, which he had before, into just one thing to make it easier to remember. So he chose a crucifix. It's called this chunking. Yeah. Yeah, it's a way of simplifying everything. Your brain does it automatically. Like, for example, if, you have, if you're trying to memorize a phone number, uh, you would memorize it in chunks of three or four numbers, not trying to memorize the whole thing. Right? Exactly, exactly. So we've got Greg, we've got the hospital, we've got a cigar, and we've got a crucifix. So here is the scene. Greg is standing outside, which, by the way, he's standing outside because it's first tone. Well, if you want to know more about that, you can check out the course. But Greg is standing outside propped against one of the many whirring air conditioners, smoking a cigar with me. The cigar is making my mouth incredibly dry, as they tend to do for me. So I tap it against a crucifix sticking out of the top of the air conditioner to get rid of a bunch of ash to bide some time for my mouth to stop being so dry. All right. So any initial comments about this one? Uh, yeah, another one ticks, ticks mostly, ticks all the boxes. But I think it's got a similar, very mild issue as the previous one. Mm. So, and again, it, he may not, he just may not have described this. It may be very obvious in his own mind, but he may not have just written it down. But I, I, you need to have a visual, a very obvious visual um, portrayal of the keyword. Mm. So yeah, I mean, if, if he's just like, oh, my mouth is dry, he's just feeling that in his mind, that mm. might be enough, but it's better off to have someone like sort of smacking their lips or looking very uncomfortable or maybe even like on like on on the ground gasping for air, sort of like mm -hmm. with a scratchy voice, yeah. um, sort of begging for a drink. You know, that That is what you, sort of level of uh, sort of exaggeration you want to go for to yeah. make sure it's easy like, like a chapped lips and you can see like everything's dried out and maybe i mean the well, thing even is chapped lips might not be good enough because it's it's such a small detail you know mm -hmm. it, it needs to be really over the top well the, the you could have it be chapped lips 
but it's like got a camera angle that is really zoomed in, right? <laughs> so that's a close an ex- up of it, right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. an example of the special effects. So you can just sure. change the camera angle, change the zooming, and and make something that is normally small quite large. Mm. And then, uh, but another thing that is true about this though is that tactile responses, just your sense of touch, can sometimes be very powerful. And this oh, is yeah. one of those situations where I'm like, yeah, you know. If, we've all felt that where mm. you're like, oh, my mouth is so dry right now. So that's it, it, combining the visual and the tactile is a great way to go. Uh, and yeah, so generally speaking, great job. Yeah, really great good. job. Especially considering that's his second character. Mm, um, he's yeah. really got down the idea of using multiple senses in his story, which is a very key uh, factor. Right, right. I've got another question from Nassim. What's the difference in meaning between O and Tridala? Uh, so Trudalan or uh, I guess uh, or is sort of a, a surprise. It's a oh, it's literally that translation. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. So oh, but Trudala yeah. is like saying it's like saying Roger. Like yeah. it's like uh, I hear that from say uh, a superior giving instructions to their employee, mm. and the employee would then say Trudala, mm. you know, or to a customer or something. Trudala. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like saying yes, I got it. Whereas, oh, it's like, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, exactly. And so it was. I loved when he asked this because I'd never thought of that before. But yeah. they do share a common principle, which is knowing something that you didn't know before. Because mm. the reason the l is in dridala is because your the l indicates that now you know. I know now that you told me or whatever, right? So if you just responded with dridala, what you're saying is I already knew. Like so, somebody gives me Watch instructions. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, that, so the I can see why he uh, made that connection. But yeah, the definite difference is that you wouldn't say "oh" if somebody was just giving you an instruction. Mm. And that's from our pronunciation mastery, and it's not in itself anything to do with pronunciation. But one of the key things about that course is that we we don't just drill you on the sounds. We teach you hundreds of words and phrases that are really common and very useful. Mm. At, as sort of a, a means of teaching you the pronunciation. So yeah. as well as like learning the pronunciation, you're going to learn a bunch of these useful phrases as well. Yeah, so for those of you on the course, just remember that the purpose of the Pronunciation Mastery course is not to memorize all this vocabulary. It will give you a little bit of a primer for it, yeah. but you'll worry about vocabulary after you've built up enough uh, characters. Just focus on the pronunciation, how to uh, shape your mouth, and which pronunciations are harder than the others, and you'll be fine. So we've got a question from Adam Cardellini on the Mandarin Blueprint Method lesson. It's for a casting call for the letter R. So again, the casting call is where you choose an actor relating to a specific initial. And he asked if he could choose, because we recommend for R that we choose a male person that's a real person, not a fictional character, a real person from your life or say a famous person that you know a lot about. But he has asked whether he can choose his quote doggo Rennie Um, uh, I'm closer to her than anyone else in my life other than my wife so she is easy to remember would it muck up the method later on to choose her for R what do you think about that well so this this question you know I always am back and forth in my mind with questions like this because on the one hand you could take the perspective of Sure, you could do this as an exception to the rule, as long as you're aware of the exception. But I struggle to give this type of advice so early in the course to mm. people because, you know, when I was um, in jazz school, I was getting lessons from my drum teacher, and he, he, I said to him one day, I was like, "Why are we keep Why do we keep studying all these jazz drummers from the past? Nobody really plays like them anymore." 
why are we studying them so intently? And he just said, like, without even, a, like, a question. He was just like, because you have to know the rules to break the rules. And jazz is a very improvisational music. Obviously, people are breaking rules all the time. But mm. if you understand exactly how you're breaking it, then you're going to not confuse yourself in the future. So the reason why I struggle to say, yes, do it, is because I think that you should go further into the course and really get it, get how it works. It's not, it's complicated, but it's not the most complicated thing. It's mm. like after 30 or 40 characters, you're gonna get how it works and then you can do things like this at that point. I mean, we've made so many changes over the years um, and a lot of those changes have come from input from our clients. Mm. You know, uh, I'd rather imagine this kind of thing. Oh, okay, well maybe we'll incorporate that and we ended up mm. making that part of the course. Um, but the, uh, my one thing about for actors, it's best to choose things with, you know, walking, talking person with arms that can interact with stuff just to make it easier on you. Because yeah. it's hard to imagine your dog picking something up and interact. Or at least it's, it's much harder uh, for most people to imagine mm -hmm. that or talking or interacting. You just, you're sort of, you're giving yourself a lot less options with in terms of interactions with that dog. But then again, it also balances out because of the higher level of emotional uh, interaction with that person or, or with that dog so it's it's a tough one but i would my, my instinct is also maybe not at this stage maybe just stick to stick to people yeah I would, I would i would agree you know as a general rule um but just remember that if you get that this thing always represents the letter r maybe you can pull it off but again i wouldn't recommend it necessarily mm -hmm. all right next nasim asks how should the shape of my mouth be when I say the Q in chu? Yeah, well, it's all one fixed sound from start to finish. And you'll find this a lot with Chinese sounds. Um, it's one fixed mouth position throughout the entire sound. Mm. So there's not a different, like, whereas with English, it's sort of flowing a lot and your mouth is moving around a lot as you are talking. Mm -hmm. You, you, I can feel my mouth like rounding of the lips. And there are, there are sounds like that in Chinese as well. For example, how, how, mm -hmm. your mouth is moving throughout the sound. But for a lot of these sounds like, uh, yeah, chu, 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 you know, uh, le, you know, you're, 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 the mouth is fixed. So mm -hmm. don't separate those, the initial and the final there. Chu is pronounced as one fixed sound. And the mouth shape would be like, um, you're saying e and u and sorry e and u at the same time, so you're rounding your lips while saying e. So it's kind of like this e. So you've got sort of tight corners at the, your mouth and rounded lips at the same time. It's kind of hard to do through audio alone, but you have to watch the video again. I yeah, guess yeah. Be better. Uh, and that video is part of the uh, uh, the free trial of the course we have on YouTube, so you can check that out as well. Absolutely. Uh, so great. Now. Uh, Nassim had another question that I thought is, you know, relevant to this idea of what's your mouth like when you're mm. saying a particular syllable. Um, but it's also, we want to make another comment about this particular uh, question because I think that Nassim could use some sort of meta advice or some general advice. But let's ask this question first. He says, Zhen, this pronunciation, does my tongue move when I switch from the R to E-N? So Zhen is spelled R-E-N. And what he's asking is, okay, you start off with your tongue curled back, mm. like all our pronunciations, mm. as you'll see in the videos. And he asked, should it stay there while I pronounce the whole syllable? Yeah. Well, I mean, technically, technically it does move, but it only moves because the jaw moves. Mm. The jaw moves very slightly in order to transition to that un, un, 
mm-hmm. and you can you have to move your jaw in order to make that sound but it's still curled up in the same position it's just obviously moving up and down because of the jaw movement but yeah that's that's an example of something i generally like to say about nasim is that i really like how analytical and thoughtful he is mm. um he's really and i take it as a compliment or we take it as a compliment that he's put so much thought into our um into what we're saying in the videos but i would also say that nasim um you know you don't, you don't need to think about this stuff too much in too de- detailed a level. The, de- the level of detail that we've gone into the videos is pretty much as detailed as you need to get, I reckon. As a beginner, certainly. As a like beginner. May- maybe as an advanced student, you can get into some very detailed mm. pronunciation stuff. Although even that, I'm not sure how but necessary a, a it lot is. Of thing, and the reason why I say it, again, is, is, is because I think that um, too much, and anal- like you need some analysis, you need some theory mm. when it comes to... Um, pronunciation and language learning in general you need the theory but it's a very small part of it yeah a lot of it most of it is just putting in the work of um thoughtfully repeating sounds mm. you know and doing that a lot yeah yeah exactly and, and another thing i was thinking about i was writing about this the other day we're, we're big fans of not using super academic language to mm explain things, especially when it comes to grammar or, uh, you know, pronunciation or whatever. And the reason is because academic language is super precise. And that's good if you're already an academic, like if you've already reached the point of being an academic, you want to be more precise. Uh, And but the problem is that if you're a beginner, precision actually holds you back. You need to build up that 80%, um, you know, 80-20 rule Pareto principle foundation first and then get precise. So you, we, I was just thinking about this because of the word morpheme, which is a really useful word in linguistics. But every time I say it, every time I've asked somebody in person, do you know what the word morpheme means? They go, no, I've never heard of it before. And so I go, okay, even though this is a useful concept – I don't think we should ever use this word, or if we use the word, we should only use it in the context of, that somebody can understand. It's not useful in the early days to be too precise. And so the seem I would say, just, yeah. just, just, you can relax a little bit about that level of precision in these early days. Mm. It's, it's, and again, that's how we did the, um, the grammar. That's how we're doing the grammar for the, mm. new, the new course. Yeah. Um, you know, we made up all these different names for grammar point. Instead of saying adjective, we say yeah. describer, you know, yeah, yeah. or what have you. So uh, predicate instead of predicate, we say does what, and it's like yes, somebody could get be like that's not precise enough, and it's like yeah, but you're you're looking at it from the wrong layer because if you think that you need to be that precise to a beginner, then I just think I think you're incorrect about that. You should not be that precise about an, a beginner. Um, yeah, we're okay. learning the language, not learning about the language. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So just get to the main thing, get the main point across first. It's the same thing with learning a character. Actually, many people will say, "Hey, this character has a secondary definition or a secondary pronunciation. Why aren't we learning that yet?" And it's like because it's so much easier yeah. to learn the secondary pronunciation after you already know everything else there is to know about a character. So take that character we mentioned before, Gan. It has a secondary pronunciation mm. of Gan. Okay, should you also should you do two scenes now at the beginning when you don't even know anything about Chinese? No, you should yeah. learn how is it written, how is it pronounced, uh, what is its main meaning, and then later when you see it in a different context, you'll be like, oh, okay, well, I knew it before as this, 
you know, slightly adjusted to this. It's called scaffolding, right? It's mm. easier to build off of what you already know or holistic learning, if you like. Yeah. Uh, build off of what you already know. That's the much more comfortable, satisfying way to learn rather than, I mean, you're just saying that. I mean, it reminds me of there's, a, like, there's tons of characters with 10 meanings, five meanings, you know? Like, <laughs> imagine trying to learn all of them at once without yeah. any context. Absolute waste of time. All right, yeah. so we're going to finish out this podcast with a few uh, emails that we were, uh, that just showed a little bit of love and we always <laughs> like to, to share these and talk about them because this is the stuff that keeps us going. Uh, so we had a message from a guy named Dimitris. I, I'm Pitianudis. not going. Pitianudis, maybe. Trying that one. I'm sorry about that. Um, he said, thank you and congratulations. Uh, being a teacher myself and having many good coaches, I have to admit you did very well. Happy to stumble on this one. Not sorry. Happy to stumble on this one. Uh, keep going. I think that he means that he came across us randomly. Yeah, rather yeah. Than and he actually it's struggled. A, he left this uh, comment on the very last lesson of the pronunciation mastery course. So he mm. finished the pronunciation mastery course at a reasonable pace. He started it in November. It's now January. Got, his, yeah, yeah. It, it's about eight hours of videos. So he probably just did a couple videos a day and got through it. And now he knows everything about Mandarin pronunciation and. This type of thing, you know, it's like, I'm so happy when people get to the end of these because it means that they've taken Mandarin to a point where they're very unlikely to quit now because they've done something that like really so, mattered, yeah. you know? Yeah. And also getting compliments about teaching from an actual teacher is always great. Yeah, we appreciate uh, we've had that. A, we've had a few clients in the past that have um, been teachers and they're like, yeah, you've done great. You guys have done all right with this. And even that is like, oh, great. Well, um, yeah, yeah. you know. So that's fantastic. We've also got one from uh, Sydney Green. Um, she writes, I'm 75 years old and I've just completed the pronunciation course. It has been fantastic, exclamation mark. <laughs> I've been trying to learn Mandarin on my own for over four years, but this course has shown me all the ways in which my pronunciation was appalling. I think it's a little bit harsh. Uh, and why I wasn't getting very far, very fast. Thank you so much, Luke and Phil. I feel really motivated now to go on. And that is exactly why, I don't know about you, that's exactly why I wanted to start this, this doing these courses, mm. start teaching these live courses, right? That's exactly the problems that we wanted to solve. So that makes me feel really happy. Yeah, yeah. And also, I love that, you know, these methods are effective for all age groups. Um, yeah. And especially uh, the... She, of course, Sydney responded to this with the pronunciation course, mm. but I think it's even more true of the Mandarin Blueprint Method yeah. because uh, the Mandarin Blueprint Method relies on you remembering your past, remembering people and places from your past. And if you're older, that means you have more memories to choose from. So you have more mm. likelihood of, you know, we say, okay, what's your association with uh, to, to recognize someone? And you can think, oh, yes, when I was... You know, 35, I recognized that Paul McCartney was on the beach next to me in Bermuda, and I recognized him. And like, you know, that's a story of my parents. They were in Bermuda, and they saw Paul McCartney on the beach. And like, you know, so that type of thing can happen the more experiences you have. And so that's great to see, because people are asking, you know, like, well, who's your target group? We're just like, people who want to learn Chinese. Like, it's not, yeah. But, you know, so anyway. Absolutely. And we've got one more here from Rhonda. Hey there. I just wanted to say thank you, not only for the great system, but more importantly, on your daily reminders, encouragement, that I think helps so much. We all have just 24 hours every day. Most of us are already stretched thin. Once we commit, we should follow through and be reminded of why we choose to learn language, take up a new hobby, start an exercise program, etc. 
again, thank you very much for everything. Many blessings, smiley, winky face. <laughs> so that's, again, another just to hit the nail right on the head there. Uh, we have a limited amount of time every day, and it's a big part of doing this. And I think the biggest challenge for people learning a language or anything, really, is consistency. Hmm. Trying to consistently apply 30 minutes a day, an hour a day, two hours a day, whatever it may be. Um, so maybe we can just give some general tips on that just to finish off. Yeah, yeah. Well, we have a few articles on habit building and the reason why we did that and we focus so much on that and why we send daily emails to people who sign up for the course to motivate them is because, you know, you need to find your higher vision about this. You need to know, what am I going to do with Mandarin after I learn it? Like what, and, it, and, you know, we get a few people, we had a few people when we taught live who would say, well, I kept going home to my home country, UK or the US and it was getting embarrassing that I didn't still speak Chinese after being in China for three years or whatever. And whenever somebody said that motivation, I went, that's probably not going to hold you. Like, it's like, so that it's, I'm... It is useful. Uh, it's not bad. But yeah, it's like, but it's, it's uh, yeah, you need a positive uh, motivation as well. I yeah. Because um, it reminds me of something I learned uh, not too long ago for some sort of life coach. He basically, he said, um, it was something along the lines of, you not only want to have a goal to run towards, you want also sort of a monster to run away from right, right. as well at the same time. So you don't, you, you want to run away from that idea of becoming uh, someone who's, say, living in China for 10 years and doesn't speak Chinese. Right. You also want to run towards the best vision of yourself as well. Like, What are you going to look right. like in five years if you keep focusing on Chinese for 30 minutes or an hour a day? What's yeah. that going to be like? You know, yeah. What's yeah. it going to be like reading Game of Thrones in Chinese and telling all your friends about it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, well, also, like, set a goal like this. Have a meeting in Chinese about business in three years, like have a business meeting in Chinese or something like that. You could have that type of goal. You could have just actually visualize yourself there and believe you can do it. Cause so yeah. the belief part is where we try to give the most help because we're, you know, before people would go into a university and it'd be like, okay, after do I believe month. I can do this? And after a month, they're like, oh no, I don't think I can do this. No, because this is this is so boring. I'm not getting any results or getting very few results, spending all this money, getting into debt or whatever, and I'm not getting what I want. Hmm. Um, whereas we've designed this whole course, both courses, but mainly of course the Mandarin Blueprint Method to make sure that even if you invest five minutes you've got something very tangible mm. that you've definitely improved. Some, you've, you've learned something about the language that isn't going away, whether it's a character or a character component or a word, or you've managed to read an entire sentence mm. you understand without the help of opinion, all these little achievements. Right. And of course, the flashcards. Flashcards are absolutely vital, not just because they're a great, very efficient way of remembering stuff, keeps you motivated that way, but also because it's every single flashcard that you get right is a, is a game that you're winning. Mm -hmm. uh, it turns everything into winnable little games. Yeah. So I would say one last little thing about this as well is we estimate that, yeah, you probably need to put, if you want to see some like real progress, like mm -hmm. decent amount of progress, you want to put in like an hour-ish a day, something mm -hmm. like that, about an hour a day. But you don't need to think about it in terms of, oh, I don't know, 7 a.m. to 8, 8 a.m. is my hour that I have to put in like that. If you have, you just set yourself a certain amount of quote-unquote work it's going to take roughly an hour to finish every day. Now, you'll obviously figure that out by actually just doing it and trying it. But you pick a certain number of lessons, a certain number of characters, a certain number of flashcards to complete. Mm. And you do them during the spare minutes in your day. Mm. 
Mm. Yeah, especially the flashcards. Like, you know, maybe the uh, watching of the videos needs to be a set time. You sit down and, you know, I, a little tip, just open up your browser and open up your flashcard software on your computer the night before. Mm. So it's like the first thing you see when you open your computer. But regardless, though, what you need to do is is recognize that it can fit anywhere. You're mm. in the elevator. You just pull out your phone, pull mm. up the flashcard app, do three flashcards. That's that's better it. than nothing. That's it. And right. and the most key thing about this is to, I even I'm a bit sort of uh, apprehensive about giving these sort of time commitments or certain number of uh, flashcards per day, blah, 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 because it, it kind of adds a little bit of stress. Now, stress can be good, but also I don't want, you don't want to feel like, oh, I have to do this thing today. If I don't do it, that means I'm going to fail. Mm-hmm. But it's more about just make sure that you're enjoying yourself. Like, again, I'll just bring up Spanish again. I hate bringing up Spanish so much because so, someone's going to meet one day and be like, oh, God, then break out your Spanish. And I'm going to be like, oh, it's not as good as you might think it might be. But uh, I've been putting in you know, like 30 minutes a day into Spanish in total, like every weekday. So like two, maybe two and a half hours a week. Mm-hmm. And... You know, I the only reason why I can keep it up despite being incredibly busy is the fact that I enjoy it. I, I'm always trying new different learning methods. Like a student actually, I'm sorry, I can't remember his name off the top of my head right now, but he recommended something to me. I, I, I replied in a comment on our course mm. about um, something or other he, we were talking about and he, he recommended this Spanish learning. Mm. And I just, oh, right. start, I just started using that. That was Jim. Jim, yeah. Right, yeah. Right, right, right. And thanks, Jim, for that. I've, I've been using it. It's, it's fantastic. Mm, mm. And like, it, I'm just taking my time, enjoying it, you know, relaxing it with it as well. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's easy to do that with this method because you can do, use it on your phone, use it on your desktop. And, you know, we're not, we're not too hard on the eyes either, are we? Uh, well, I mean, uh, you aren't. I mean, I, I apologize <laughs> for uh, the fact that I, I'm just completely, it's just a, a bald, bald as bald can be. But anyway. <laughs> I'm, getting but, yeah, we're, I'm getting there as well. But we're having, we're at, this is a great, great time where, you know, a lot of people uh, think that we are a big operation. And I mentioned earlier, we're a small startup. And, really? You know, <laughs> I mean, the, 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 it's like the tone of certain emails, you know, okay. like so the tone of the emails, like, oh, I hope somebody at the team at Mandarin Blueprint oh, like, can yeah, come help us. Like surprised that we got back to them. Yeah, yeah, I was no. like, that's just us. And I was like, yeah, this is, uh, you know, we're just two guys mainly. I mean, we we, we have uh, Annie from Sichuan University who's helping us uh, build out our grammar, mater- grammar materials and our WeChat platform. And, you know, we have uh, a couple of video editors, who, but they're contractors, you know, when it comes to people who are like in the organization, it's mostly just the two of us. And so, all this feedback, we read all of it. We're interested in all of it. Mm-hmm. We really appreciate it. You need um, it. We, yeah, exactly. You know, you you can never get better if you just think you're always right. Obviously, we have skills. You know, we know about Mandarin. We know about Mandarin learning techniques and all of that. But we are by no means putting forward a perfect product. We're putting forward the best thing that we can pull off. But luckily everything is editable and upgradable. So mm. please leave your comments. Please leave your messages. Uh, if you're in a different language than English, leave suggestions for uh, how a native Spanish speaker or Italian speaker can use these same methods. And we're going to do this at least once a week uh, where we go over the questions that came in that week. Sometimes we'll have guests. Sometimes we'll have a more of a solid topic. But we're going to start doing this weekly. And any feedback, uh, any sharing that you can do of either the course of the podcast or our blog or anything, we've, it's just it's more helpful than you might think. Mm, absolutely. So, so thanks. thanks very much, guys, and uh, we'll speak to you next week. See you then.